Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, I was looking through our podcast feed and realized that we have not done a Bible study episode in quite some time, so I wanted to give you one of those. They tend to be uh, pretty popular in terms of people who listen to them, so hopefully you enjoy this one. I have a special podcast or a special Bible study on the story of the Tower of Babel that I want to share with you this week. Uh, That's because it has some really interesting themes that kind of connect with World Religion Day. World Religion Day is on January 16th, and just thought that these two would be a nice little uh, seasonal connection for us, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it. Feel free to get your Bibles out. The Tower of Babel story is found in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. But if you're driving or doing something else, no need to follow along with your Bibles, just an invitation. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And as always, thanks for your support of the podcast and for sharing these episodes with family and friends who might be looking for that additional spiritual connection through their week. Here we go. So here we go. We're going to dive into the story of the Tower of Babel. And as I said in the intro, this is, uh, I just wanted to try and do something seasonal. We had this week and thought it would be fun to do a Bible study kind of connected to things going on in our world right now. Uh, You're probably listening to this on a Tuesday. Yesterday was, of course, Martin Luther King Day, when we remember all of the good work he did in helping build equality in our country and work for justice. And then coming up, I think I said in the intro, it was on January 16th, January 21st is World Religion Day which is a day that invites us to acknowledge and recognize that there are other religions and practices of faith in the world. And that can all be really tricky for us to kind of understand how it all fits together. And I feel like the Bible with the story of the Tower of Babel is giving us a sense and an idea of maybe how God wants us to understand these dynamics. I'll get, That'll be more clear. That statement will make a lot more sense as we move through this Bible study. Um, but first and foremost, the story of the Tower of Babel is found in Genesis chapter 11. So it's one of the very first stories in the entire book of the Bible and in the scriptures themselves. And and the early stories of Genesis very often have what's called an an etymology, um, or they are a form of etymology. What, What I mean by that, what biblical scholars mean when they talk about that is that there are many stories contained in particular in the book of Genesis that seem to seek to try and explain why the world is the way it is. So if you think back, um, an example of this, to the story of Adam and Eve, if you read that story in Genesis 2, what it says at the, or actually in Genesis 3, when Eve and Adam eat the forbidden fruit, and then it says one of the ways that God punishes them is by making Eve's pain great in childbirth. And so it's just this little line, and there's a lot of them in the book of Genesis. And these are what biblical scholars call etymologies, because it's that it's the biblical writers trying to explain why the world is the way it is. Why is childbirth so painful? Well, because of this story. Um, and so the Tower of Babel is another one like that. And what it's trying to answer is the question of why are there so many different groups of people in the world? Why are there so many different languages in the world in particular. And so that just to know that background, I think is helpful. Um, you know, that it's writers trying to explain why things are the way they are. And to then, as we dive in, to recognize the incredible wisdom 
included in this explanation. Well, why did God make different languages in the world? Well, let me tell you about the story of the Tower of Babel. Starting at verse 1 in chapter 11, we read this. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitum for mortar. And they said, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and with tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. So the story picks up and says, yes, there was a time in human history when there was just one group of people and they had one language. And when they were like this, when they were this one group of people with one language, what they did is they came across this flat land that seemed like it was the perfect spot to build a big, important structure. And so that's exactly what they did. They went out and said, let us make a name for ourselves. Did you hear that? Did you hear that line in there? I, I love that it's included because it's such a it's such a common human inclination. It's like, gosh, I need I need to feel important. I need to show that I'm important. And so that's what the people decide to do when they had one language all together. They decided that they needed to be important and to prove how important they were. And so they started to build a tower and their goal was to build a tower that stretched up to the heavens. Now, that is a particular type of construction project that they are attempting. You see, they have thought and are trying to make a name for themselves and to do that, to build this structure that's all the way up to God. They want to try and be equal to God. This is the continual human predicament and problem. We want to think of ourselves as gods. Note that at this point in the scriptures, we've already heard the story of the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve. And if you remember back to that story, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were forbidden from eating from that tree because they were told that if they ate it, they would become like God. That is the original sin, shall we say, is them desiring to become equal to God. And now fast forward into the book of Exodus, where God will give Moses the Ten Commandments in order to give the newly freed Israelites their chance uh, to understand and connect with God and have rules and order in line. And in those Ten Commandments, the very first commandment will say, I am the Lord your God who led you out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The very first rule that God puts in place is, hey, don't try and become like God. Because God recognizes and realizes that this inclination, this desire leads to so much destruction and pain and heartache. When we try to make ourselves equal to God, we soon discover that we're flawed human beings. And that disconnect can be so painful and harmful to others. That disconnect can create all sorts of evil and heartache in our world. And don't we know that to be true? That some of the worst people who we can think of in human existence are often the ones who at some point have thought that they should be the only one in control. 
all the dictators from days of yore, all the terrible leaders who wanted and saw themselves as God, and, were, and then when given lots of power, committed terrible atrocities with that power. So a desire to become like God uh, lives at the heart of the human experience. We somehow feel pulled to this all the time, and yet God seems to know that this is the worst thing for us. And we see it right here in the Tower of Babel, that when there was one language, the people thought that they could accomplish anything. And so they tried to build a tower that lifted up and made them <coughs> appear equal to God. <coughs> we continue on in our reading, and we find in verse 5, so the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, the city was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Now, I want you to notice that nowhere in what we just read does it say that God came down and confused their languages in order to punish the people. Yes, God is worried that they will, that nothing they do will be impossible for them, right? They all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and what they will do will not be impossible for them. God is recognizing that they are trying to create a world where they are equal to God, and God knows in his in God's heart how destructive that will be for their actual existence, that this might be what they think they want, but it's actually not what they need. And so... Not as an act of punishment, but as an act of wisdom. God comes down and confuses their languages. You see, we need to think about God um, and often the actions of God as the actions of a loving parent. I think that's such a helpful analogy that we talk about God as father or God as mother hen. Um, that's one of the il illustrations Jesus uses. And, and I think it's helpful to think of God as a parent because Parents will often discipline their children or, or, or correct their children or put restrictions on their children in order to allow that child to mature and grow, right? My parents would often tell me what I could and couldn't do. And as a child, it was so frustrating and it felt like they were just trying to control me. And maybe sometimes they were. Not all parents are perfect. But also, maybe a lot of that as I look back allowed me to grow into the functional adult that I am these days. And I'm trying to do the same thing with my kids. I'm putting different restrictions on various, you know, th their screen time. You can only watch so much TV because I don't want you to just be a person who lives in front of the TV all day. I want you to go outside. I want you to get exercise. I want you to read a book because all of those things are so good for you. In the same way, God comes down at Babel and confuses the people's languages, not as a punishment, but as ultimately a gift. 
God wants these people to realize and understand that their diversity is a gift. See, when God starts, God knows that when people start to think of themselves as equal to God, that's when all sorts of destruction starts to take place. The diversity that God creates at Babel is a chance for us to learn that we're not equal to God, that our one experience of the world is not the only experience, that we have always something to learn from our neighbor, always some way to grow and better understand our life by learning about the life of someone else. You see, there are thousands of people all over the world with vastly different experiences, and we can learn from them and appreciate their differences. It doesn't even mean we have to necessarily agree with what they're saying or what they believe, but it can better inform how we understand our life. The diversity of this world keeps us humble. It helps us recognize that we're not God, that we don't have all of the possible information in place, that we don't know everything. You see, when they all had one language, there was no limit, God said, to what they could do, what would be possible, because they all just agreed on everything, and so it was just a straight path to the top. And while that might sound really wonderful, we also know that when we start to think of ourselves as equal to God, all sorts of terrible destruction, oppression, violence towards other people, awful things start to take place. And so God gets in front of that at Babel and gives the world the gift of diversity in order to keep us humble. It's a gift to help us see the beauty of our relationships with one another and to focus on building relationships and learning from each other, sharing life together, rather than trying to achieve some sort of grand construction project. Do you see that element of this story as well? God's giving us now the gift of human experience, the gift of human companionship, and the ways that maybe if you're in a marriage that your partner continues to delight you and surprise you, and then that can be what you appreciate some days. Or your friend who you didn't realize now has a new hobby, and that's actually kind of exciting and fun, right? People change, people are different, and that can be frustrating, and it can be such a gift. And in this story of the Tower of Babel, we're invited to see it as a gift, to see that human relationship, human difference is part of God's design for the world. And maybe if we can make that our grand project, that there will be so much more joy than just building a tall tower that reaches up to heaven that makes us feel important. See how it also just shifts this gift of diversity. It completely shifts the way that we're taught, or the way that we're encouraged to think about the world. So there you go. There's some quick thoughts on the Tower of Babel and the gift of diversity. Uh, I invite you to continue to learn from your neighbors and to recognize you don't have to agree with everyone, but that there is some real value in hearing the experiences of others and enjoying the rich tapestry of existence that is our world. Hope you enjoyed this quick Bible study through the story of the Tower of Babel. Stay in peace, everyone.